This is Faith in Action, the program that looks at how ordinary people put their faith into action in their everyday lives. Our program is underwritten in part by the Indiana State Knights of Columbus. And now, here's today's program. Hello, everyone. Bridget Ayer here. Thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, If you are listening to this on Catholic Radio, I want to encourage you to sign up for um, our, I guess it's our Catholic Radio Indie app. You just want to download that on your phone. You can listen to us crystal clear on the Catholic Radio Indie app. If you are... um, watching this on YouTube, just encourage you to subscribe to my channel. It helps me out a lot. Okay, right into our show. Today we are going to be talking about how to answer tough questions about the Catholic faith. And joining me today is our guest, Stephen O'Keefe. He is um, a local Bible teacher. He teaches, um, I guess, the high school students. And he's also the author of too long, didn't read. Uh, here's, the, here's the picture of the book, Too Long, Didn't Read. We'll get into that, too. So um, welcome, Stephen. Thanks Good morning. For, yeah, so it's great to be with you. Um, okay, I want to get into this topic of how to answer tough questions. You mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about what you do in um, at your parish at Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Okay, so there's a few things that I do, and... Uh, the primary one is every Monday I host a Bible study and discussion group with the high school teenagers, mm-hmm. and the function of that meeting is to uh, spend about half the time just saying to the kids, what is it that you'd like to talk about? And they bring up anything and everything that they desire. And so it's my job to sort of facilitate that discussion, but also sort of steer it towards an answer if there is one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second half is we do a Bible study. Also, uh, for the bulletin, I they give me 320 words every week with which to answer questions. <laughs> That's tough. It really is. Um, <laughs> I've, I've heard it said once that uh, a guy was writing a letter to a person, and he says, I'm sorry the letter is so long. If I had more time, I would have written you something shorter. <laughs> you know, it's, it's tough to fit things exactly into 320 words uh, when if it would be so much easier if you had 500 you, you wouldn't have to be so precise. But, um, but yeah, that's what they give me. And so year-round, uh, I'm answering questions in the bulletin. And every now and then, uh, usually about three times a year, they let me put on in a, a class for adults to address some particular item of the Catholic faith, usually an hour-long class. So that's the three things that I do for our parish. And also I've, at other parishes, I've volunteered for RCIA. And uh, so that's generally what I do. So I forgot to mention this. We are um, being graciously hosted by St. Elizabeth Seton Parish in Carmel. They have allowed us to use some space here to do our show because we're doing this uh, on a day that I normally am not in the office, and Steve works full-time. So we, uh, we're, we're just making it happen on a Saturday. So uh, uh, shout out to St. Elizabeth Seton, who they're letting us use their facility to record this uh, interview. I want to get back to you actually, how long have you been doing the Acts Apologist, the, the Monday night Bible study, and then and then the bulletin thing? Oh boy. About about 10 years around that, or not that long? I took over the Bible study in 2009. Ooh, wow. Yeah, so it's been about 13 years now. So I'm curious, how do you prepare... Um, to answer these questions? I, mm-hmm. I mean, you read a lot, but how did you, I guess maybe the better question is, how'd you get into all this? Yeah, so I, 
I think that a certain amount of it comes with your personality type. Mm-hmm. Maybe if arguing is something that's just in your nature. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're then, Irish, right? Uh, Irish and Italian. So make, <laughs> wow. of, make of that what you will. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's always been important to me to know what it is I believe and why it is. And so throughout high school, you know, I, I really was not well instructed in the Catholic faith. But then when I got to the end of high school, I started going to this very Bible study I'm teaching now. I was mm, a participant in it. That's right. And then I got to college and uh, I started going to some classes at St. Thomas Aquinas up there at Purdue. Mm-hmm. And that really helped me get in touch with the inner logic of the of the Catholic faith and better understand why it is that we do things and to understand that there are answers and there is a Catholic worldview that can be defended. And then just by happenstance, uh, Deacon Paul Lunsford ran across, uh, we ran across one another one day, and then he invited me to come be his backup guy at, the, at Acts. Uh, that's the name of the Bible study in the discussion group. It's called Acts. And the... Um, yeah, so then Paul, he went off and became the president of Guerin High School, and he became a deacon, and so that was too much of a drain on his schedule, and so he handed it over to me, and I've been doing it ever since. But And then just after that, it's like the the my own personal drive, plus the fact that I'm responsible now for teaching, you know, about a dozen and a half kids every Monday, means that I have a lot of, you know, desire to go out there and just be well-read on a number of different subjects, just so I can field questions and uh, not have to always, you know, admit ignorance and say, "Oh, I don't know anything about that." Well, I'm curious. We're we're talking with uh, Stephen O'Keefe. He is um, the local. Uh, I always want to say you're the local apologist in the Carmel Deanery or the, you know, area. And but you work with teens. And and I, I'm curious, for yourself, did you, would you say that you read your way into the faith, or did you have some kind of, I guess encounter, you know, getting knocked off your horse or anything like that. How how would you say cuz people that are in ministry have had some kind of conversion or reversion. What how is it for you and and was it you read your way in or Well, you know, a lot of people do have that kind of story, but you know, uh Patrick Madrid, mm-hmm. uh if you're familiar with him, he's a famous apologist and and writer. Uh, and and uh, his story is much more boring, and that's mm. more like what mine is. It just <laughs> I, I was I was raised Catholic uh, to the uh, ability that uh, you know most um, instruction at that young age is mostly saccharine stories of uh, you know Bible stories and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I never really had a big falling away from the faith. I never had a big moral crisis. I went under. It was just I just. Uh, I just feel like it was a gradual development as a as a Catholic, and you know it had its ups and downs. But um, the for me, it was just you know God just dragging me from one thing to the next. And I feel like the when Deacon Paul and I stumbled across one another, and he invited me to come do the Bible study with him, was a big. I don't want to call it a turning point, but it was just you know where God got me by the nose and just pulled me on to that next thing that He wanted me to do. And I, I did have to, you know, reform my life a little bit. I had to become more sincerely uh, a Catholic at that point. I, mm-hmm. I had to, um, I couldn't be a hypocrite, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you could, but you don't, But yeah, <laughs> not, not good when you're working with young people. Yeah, so. I, I wouldn't have lasted, you know, 13 years doing something that I didn't fully invest in myself. So that's, uh, but yeah, there was no real crisis point. It was just um, the Catholic life is a good life. And I, I've, I've enjoyed it this entire time. Well, I'm curious also that one thing that I, when you and I met, and I'm not even sure how we met, but I just was really um, 
I think we have kind of the same logical thought process. I've been thinking about that. And I think that, that you're being an, an engineer as mm-hmm. your background, that you, you're, you just have a, a logical brain. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, it's, you know, the engineering mindset is one of taking things apart and putting them back together. And, you know, I think that between engineers and lawyers, there's a lot of potential there for for good apologists, because what you're doing there is you're trying to take something which might be complex and try to see what the elements are that make it up. And then you're trying to hand it back to the person in a way which is which is different from what they got it. so a, an objection might look like one thing when they hand it to you, and you have to think about, okay, what is, what's behind that objection? What's, what are they thinking about? What is going to be useful for them to hear? And then you have to explain something, perhaps something technical back to them in a way which is understandable. And that, you know, not everyone is going to be attuned for doing that. My, one of my, um, well, my, my partner in crime there at, at, uh, at Axe has, uh, his name is Ben, and he used to be a monk, mm. <laughs> and he's uh, he has this awesome prayer life, this awesome spirituality. Uh, but you know, when you ask him a question, his response is to kind of ponderously rub his chin, and just go hmm, and it might take him you know a half hour to form an answer. <laughs> uh, he's he's far holier than I am, but uh, so that's just to say that um, you know it's a skill set, and like any skill set, it can be trained. Uh, there's natural aptitudes, different personalities that go into it. And uh, in the end, being a good question answerer does not necessarily make you a good Catholic. Mm. Uh, it just means that you're someone who's maybe too smart for his own good. Well, let me ask you this. Obviously, that when, when people come in to, you know, to ask or, you know, you get the, the questions through the bulletin and you answer questions, is it different, I guess, how do you go about knowing how to answer these questions. And for those who are watching or listening, you know, Catholics that, you know, we get all these questions, we've get all these challenges really mm-hmm. to our faith because everything that kind of really what we do and what we believe is almost countercultural these days. It's mm-hmm. just not supported. How do you go about, and, and, and as you tell us how you do this, I, I want you to help our audience to be able to do this too. I mean, maybe not to the level that you do, but you, you get what I'm saying? So yeah. how do you start? Okay, let's come up with some, Come up with a question that's that's a challenging question. Okay, so let's think. In my, if you look at the bulletin articles that I write, mm-hmm. I've I've settled out on this format really of having three paragraphs mm-hmm. uh, because it seems like there's always three steps to answering it. And the first paragraph, about a hundred words roughly, is spent just elaborating on the question mm-hmm. because, and, and even it could be that's, ha- that's really good when you think yeah. about it. Yeah. It could be even half of the answer is simply explaining the question mm-hmm. um, because it could be that the answer is quite short, but you have to get a lot. It takes a long way to get there. So the first thing is to make sure that you understand what's being asked and why it's being asked. So, for instance, a person might say, um, well, why be Catholic at all? Why be Christian at all? Uh, isn't it enough to be a good person? Mm-hmm. All right, so that's that's kind of from a non-Christian perspective, a person who is somewhat apathetic about the Christian faith doesn't see the point of it. Um, they regard themselves as being a good person. And so from your point of view, as you're hearing that, you have to think to yourself, okay, here's a person who thinks of themselves as a good person, probably rightly so, and they can't imagine that God would ever have a problem with them. And they imagine, you know, they'll they'll die and then 
whatever God there is is going to be, couldn't possibly have an issue with them. And then they'll just, they'll just scoot on into their heavenly reward based upon their merits as a, as a decent human being. And what's the usefulness of going to church and, you know, getting involved in this peculiar subculture of Catholics and so on. You know, that's the, that's the kind of motivation that goes into it. And so you have to, that's where your starting point, that's where you have to work with the person from. Um, and then, the next thing you have to do is you have to start thinking about, okay, do I challenge their assumptions? And so when I'm asked that at, at ACTS, uh, a student will say, you know, the, a person asked me that very question, Stephen, how do I answer that? And so I'll say, okay, well, the person says, I'm a good person. Well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be a good person? How good is good? Yeah. You know, do you, um, Compared to what? Right. Because no one really ever thinks to themselves, I'm a bad person. <laughs> If you ask what is a good person, for most people, a good person is someone slightly worse than themselves and up, <laughs> right? Because no yeah. one's ever going to say, I, I don't meet my own standard for good person, unless, <laughs> right. they're, unless they're at a moment of crisis and they're about to make a big turn, um, you know, then, when they reach rock bottom or something. But for the most part, most people going around think, you say, what's the standard for a good person? And they'll just say, you know, they'll imagine someone slightly worse than, them, than themselves and they'll just say, up from there. But what if that's not, you know, at work, I, I told um, a coworker of mine, I said, oh, I, I'm, I handle pressure very well, I, I think. I think I'm very good under pressure. And she looks at me and just started laughing. And she's like, no, you don't. <laughs> and I had to think about it for a second. I was like, ah, geez, you're right. I'm a wreck <laughs> under pressure. <laughs> and because uh, it's really easy to be way too easy on yourself and to give yourself way too much credit. And so, um, you know, what if the standard for good person is something more like Mother Teresa mm. or Maximilian Kolbe? Yeah. Like, what if, what if that's the line for good person? What if I'm just some schmuck getting along in the world and, I'm, you know, people don't bother me, so I don't bother them. And so it's easy to think I'm a good person. Yeah. And so that's the kind of conversation I would have with a person. It was like, I would want to ask them, well, how good is good? And how do you know how good you are? And what if, what if you're wrong about being as good as you are in the way that I thought I was a person who acted well under pressure. Uh, what if our estimations of ourselves is far different than we, than the reality is? Cause we've all had that experience of f- suddenly finding out something about ourselves that, you know, that, that we didn't think it was going to be that way. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's an example. Okay. And we, we want to get to number three, but we got to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking more with Stephen O'Keefe on how to answer difficult questions. So stay tuned. The hands of faith are raised to heaven, even as they go about building in charity. A city based on relationships in which the love of God is laid as the foundation. These words from the first encyclical by Pope Francis explain the motivation for Christian charity. We help our neighbor because we love our neighbor, and this love is a special expression of our faith in God. As Pope Francis says in the light of faith, faith is truly a good for everyone. It helps build our societies in such a way that they can journey towards a future of hope. The Knights of Columbus takes these words to heart, bringing help where it's needed most. Whether they are donating blood, stocking a food pantry, delivering a wheelchair to a homebound person, or building a new home with Habitat for Humanity, Knights are guided by a faith that leads to action. The 1.8 million members of the Knights of Columbus provided a record $167 million to charity and logged 70 million volunteer hours. To learn more about our faith in action, visit kofc.org. Alexa, what's the weather forecast for today? Alexa, what time is the Colts game today? Alexa, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning tomorrow. Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? Then make sure that routine includes Alexa 
Play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back. I'm Bridget Ayer. We're talking with Stephen O'Keefe. He is the Axe Apologist, um, a teen Bible study at Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and he's helping us understand how we can answer tough questions as Catholics. So we were before the break, we were talking about kind of your strategy that in, mm-hmm. in the three paragraphs. First, you outline the question. Outline the question, and then you have to start asking some questions about the question and start looking at what underlies the question. How is that different from where you need to take the person. What's the road from the question to the answer? And that's usually what you're doing in, in my, that's what I'm doing in my second paragraph is now I'm presenting evidence. Okay. Uh, now I'm now I'm showing why maybe some of the things presented in the question might not be correct. Um, let's take another example. Uh, a person says, why is it that Catholics, um, I'm gonna put this in little air quotes, pray to saints. I, I don't okay. like that particular phrase. Uh, but, you know, we ask for the saints to pray for us. Mm-hmm. And so a person says, you know, what's the use of that? Why can't you just pray to God yourself, go, right? Go, go right to Jesus. Go right to Forget Jesus. Forget about the middleman, yeah. other middleman. <laughs> exactly, right? And so um, so the first paragraph, I would probably be thinking to myself, okay, here's here's what they've been told. Here's what all their assumptions are. That they, they see this as needless middlemen. All right, now the second paragraph, now I'm starting to challenge the assumptions. And I'm saying, okay, well, if we really took that objection seriously— that we can't put a middleman, we can't ask someone to pray for us. Well, that doesn't just apply to the angels and saints. That is an argument which proves way too much. That would undercurd your entire ability to ask anyone to pray for you. Yeah, and people do that all the time. Will you pray for me? Then that's a common practice. Exactly, and no Christian is going to say that's a bad practice. And so, you know, if you can successfully show how that argument, when you take it seriously, leads to a place that's kind of crazy and undercuts a lot of the Christian faith, okay, now you've made some headway. And so then the next question begins, okay, so if if it's, if it's that argument itself, like why, do, why not just go to God, that argument doesn't work, is there more information they need to know to make this something rational that they would at least accept as a possibility? And so at— And you uh, could go to the Bible and say, where did people pray or intercede for each other? Mm-hmm. Let's find some— evidence or examples of that. Yeah, and so this this happened at um, at the Acts Bible study uh, just last Monday. There was a girl there who was from a um, from an evangelical background, and she asked that very question. And so it happened that our Bible study that night was on uh, Hebrews chapter 11, which um, that leads into Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, Hebrews 12.1 describes uh, the saints in heaven as a cloud of witnesses. So when we got to the end of that Bible study, I was able to say to her, okay, so this is one of the passages that we use to show that the saints in heaven can be aware of things on earth. And if they are aware of things on earth, then the pool of people that you can ask to pray for you just got bigger. It's not something fundamentally different from what you're used to. It's just that you have in your mind a pool of people that can pray for you, and we have our imagination a pool of people who can pray for you. Ours is just bigger. Mm. And that seemed to work for her. She seemed very interested in that answer. Because I wasn't just saying, oh, you're wrong. I was trying to lead her from her own standpoint to to ours using things which were familiar to her. Okay, I want to ask you about really controversial Mm -hmm. hot hot topic, but or hot, you know, hot topics, I guess. Um, How do you 
how do you, and then maybe how can our listeners go about, if you get really some of those social, cultural, culture war issues, mm-hmm. um, how do you go about answering those? And do you have to consider who you're talking with? Because obviously what you, a conversation you might have with a family member might be different from a stranger or a coworker. Mm-hmm. So think of a topic that's really like a hot button issue. Yeah. So, I mean, um, abortions, one, um, anything with the whole, um, you know, LGBT or transgender that those are all, you know, and you don't want to, you don't want to appear not compassionate, Mm -hmm. but then you also where truth and compassion, I guess, meet or diverge. I I mean, you you get what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, questions can be difficult for different reasons. And and when I was thinking about on the way here, uh, you know, a question can be difficult because it's complex. Mm -hmm. Um, You might be having to explain transubstantiation to someone. Ah, (laughs) right. Um, A a question might be a problem because you lack knowledge. And, um, you know, the problem of evil is a big lack of knowledge question. You know, why would God let this happen? Well, you know, as human beings, we have promises that God is letting this happen for a good reason, but we're totally ignorant as to what that is. Um, and so the problem of evil, you know, is, is a big lack of knowledge type problem. If, if only we had God's perspective, we might be able to better understand this. Um, and then there's, there's an, another way can be a hard problem because it's maybe there's an unpopularity to the answer. Mm, uh, right. And so, that, and so there's sort of an emotional difficulty there. Yeah, um, that's a good point too. And so, you know, when answering these questions, yeah, you do have to take into account who you're talking to because the you might be dealing with someone who's really upset at you in short order. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, that's, uh, in certain ways, that's unavoidable. Um, I, I, I say that it's kind of easier to be of that lawyer or engineer mindset because you have low empathy. Mm, uh, yeah. So uh, if for people who are very concerned about upsetting people, this can be a very difficult issue. Um, and then and then you maybe don't say anything. And I think a lot of people are in that category rather uh, yeah. than rock the boat. And maybe that's maybe that's wise. But I think I think the bottom line is, how do you t- speak the truth? Mm-hmm. But in a way that's compassionate and i i sometimes the people on the receiving end if you speak the truth that is considered not loving yeah and because it's it's it seems so offensive what to them or what other people are or what they th- what they believe is so offensive mm-hmm. you know that if you say that marriage can only be between one man and one woman mm-hmm. that can be really offensive to other people so what do you do and how do you approach those topics with people when they're just going to melt down. Right. And it helps to begin by asking them questions and getting Mm. them to clarify, get them talking as much as possible, because then you're not saying things which are offensive to a person. So if a person... That's a good point. So if you're talking to a person about the nature of marriage and they want to know why it is that, you know, two men or two men and one woman uh, can't be married to one another. A thruple, right? Yeah, a thruple. Why is that not a valid marriage in the in the eyes of God? And so the I would begin with, well, what do you think marriage is? Like, what do you think is the purpose of having this institution in the first place? And maybe if we can start talking conceptually about that and examining that, then that is going to be less emotional than just saying, you know, here's why you're the thing that is most important to you uh, is is wrong and bad or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can just say, okay, well, let's talk about the nature of marriage. And can we 
can we ask some questions about why this is an important thing in our society? Um, that's ultimately what happened in the Supreme Court, actually. If you read the decision, Justice Kennedy basically just said, well, here's what I think about why marriage is important. Here's what I think the public purpose is. And therefore, because I think this, that's going to be the new law of the land. Um, but I found that if you can just talk about, if you can get away from the personal, if you're dealing with people like this, and you can get to the conceptual and start asking good questions, that helps diffuse it a little bit. We didn't get in, we only just have a couple minutes left. We didn't get into um, talking about your book, and we're going to do that in another interview. But I do want to mention um, this book that you wrote, Too Long, Didn't Read. Um, what's the book about? And um, just give us a quick overview. We've got about about four minutes. Okay, so uh, it began with frustration because people do not read the Bible. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons they don't read the Bible is because you know it can be a bit long, and it can be a bit impenetrable. And so what I started doing was taking notes on the various letters of the New Testament, and I was writing short summaries. And uh, before long, I realized that I was writing a book. Mm-hmm. I was writing a, a, a condensed Cliff Notes form of the epistles. <laughs> and so it took Nothing about better a, than Cliff Notes, you know? It, uh, it, it really makes the job easier. And so in the end, I, it took about a year of writing and editing, and then I finally had this book in front of me, which condenses all the letters um, from uh, Romans to Third John, and uh, and puts them into a size about one fifth their original size. And so the entire book is about the size of the letter to the Romans, but you're covering all the epistles. And I I tried to reduce it in size while retaining all the meaning. So um, if people want to get a copy of the book, how do they go about doing that? I think uh, you have a YouTube channel as well, don't you? I, I do have a YouTube channel, but the the book is on Amazon. It's uh, I believe it's a three dollar ebook, so not not asking to to break the bank there. And uh, yeah, I, I do have a YouTube channel called uh, Acts Apologist, A C T S Apologist, no space. And I have a lot of stuff on there. This Lent and Easter season, I'm going through the letter to the Hebrews and making short videos as I as I go from one end of it to another. So. Um the book's called Too Long, Didn't Read, and it's uh, Stephen O'Keefe, O-K-E-E-F, right? There's one more E at the end. E. <laughs> say, it, say it again. Stephen O'Keefe, spelt with a, with a V there in the Stephen, O-K-E-E-F-E. Okay, great. Uh, we are out of time. Um, Stephen O'Keefe, uh, Axe Apologist, thanks so much for talking to us about how to answer tough questions. I hope our listeners have been able to get something um, that will help them deal with the culture wars. I just, we just have just actually a minute left. What's the toughest question you've ever gotten? Uh, The toughest question by far is the problem of evil because Mm. it combines everything, complexity, lack of knowledge, emotional, that, that is, even the catechism describes the problem of evil as a great scandal. Um, Everything else is somewhere further down the difficulty pyramid. All right. We're out of time. Thanks so much, Stephen O'Keefe, for being our guest today. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Faith in Action, the program that looks at how everyday people put their faith into action in their everyday lives. This program is underwritten in part by the Indiana State Knights of Columbus. If you have suggestions for topics or guests for this program, contact Bridget at catholicradioindy.org. That's B-R-I-G-I-D at catholicradioindy.org or call us at 317-870-8400.